Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. The boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio on 101.9 FM. From the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia, I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And we've got another packed show for you this week. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. We're going to be talking about white caps. Two games under the belt this week. We won't delve too much into the Champions League game, but we'll look ahead in that competition. We'll look at their latest MLS match as well. We'll talk a little Vancouver FC, a little Canadian Premier League, a little bit of Canadian national teams, and some fun stuff that's come out this week concerning the 2026 World Cup. Busy, busy show, lots to cover, and... uh, how how's your week been, Zach? It's it's been busy for me from a football point of view, and the the coming week's going to be even busier. But we we got to connect briefly on Saturday out in Langley. It was a a fun day out. We'll touch a little bit on it in part three. But beautiful weather out in Langley for that Vancouver FC Valor FC friendly. Yeah, a wise individual said that you know weather like that where it's warm but not crazy hot. Uh, you know, as many matches they can have like that are going to be really, really great for the for the season. Oh yeah, for the, for the crowd. Uh, but was, I, as I, as I did point out when we were talking about the stadium before, having commentated up there for a whole day, as that sun moves around, at some point it's right in your face. Which for the broadcast and the TV cameras, hopefully the cameras are going to be on the other side because it was not good for the Nationals that we were doing up there and the camera had real trouble focusing and picking up the ball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the cameras are going to be on the west end, where the west main stand is, pointing towards the east. Right, that would would be good then, because that that would negate that, yeah. So where we were yesterday, it would be like they'd be on that fence side pointing at the benches. They'd be pointing at us. Yeah. Yeah, which of course all cameras should. Especially CCTV ones. Especially because we, or I, have a face for radio. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have been caught on camera at football grounds in the past for various (laughs) things, but let's let's move swiftly on from that. So much football coming up. Monday, TSS training begins. I'll be out at that. 
Then I'll be heading up to, to Newton Athletic Park on Monday night. BB5 have a chance to win their second straight VMSL title if they can get just a point from one of their last two games and the first one comes on Monday night. Commentating out in Surrey this week as well at an under-17 showcase. And then we've got WFC 2 kickoff next weekend. There's the Imperial Cup final. There's another friendly for Vancouver FC. It's just football, 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 non-stop fun. So on Monday, when you go to TSS training, how many hats do you bring with you? How many hats are you wearing? Because you're the owner. Oh, you're, yep. you're, the, you're the head honcho of AFTN. Mm-hmm. You're the media guy for the club. True. You're a fan. And, and you're, I, you're a grumpy old man. I'm a grumpy old man that hopes to still get that tryout to to make the Canadian <laughs> Championship squad. So you're going to wear all five of those hats? Yes. If if the ball comes to me, I'm lashing it in the back of the net and showing that I deserve that spot in the the 18 man squad or 20 man squad or whatever it's going to be. I don't know about lashing it in the back of the net. I to to quote our to quote our good friend Devin Rokov, I could see you lashing in the back of the net. <laughs> If I if I lashed it at all, I think my hip might go or my knee, but we'll 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 see how that goes. Let's get into the football chat now, and we're we're going to start in this part by talking Concacaf Champions League. Now we're not going to delve into the Whitecaps game too too much. We're not going to delve into the other results. You have to subscribe to our extra podcast that I brought out for that. It's a fifty-two minute show. We talk about the game. Well, see, we I talk about the game. Bring you audio from Vanni Sartini, from three of the other MLS head coaches as well. We look at all the results. But I, I just want to to just get your thoughts on on the game and the, the performance sack from, from the Whitecaps. 3-2 defeat on the day. 7-3 win on aggregate. I mean, it, it was comfortable in the end because the, the, they played a lot of the young guys. They left five guys at home. And I mean, all in all, it, it wasn't a bad performance, although there were some horrific things coming out of the defending aspect of it. Uh, I think, obviously, uh, the main objective was accomplished, right? They advanced to the next round. One question I'd love for you to find out, and I think I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I, in case I'm wrong, is, and I know when, you know, talking about the European Champions League, or the, sorry, the UEFA Champions League, however you want to refer to it, um, you get... you. You get more money if you win the match if you win your matches, right? Like there's actually oh like, yeah, I mean you get it for qualifying and winning and uh, no, but like every match I know you get more money. Yes, the club gets more money. So that, yeah. I mean, I, I know with Bayern like every every game, even if they had qualified, they never wanted to lose. They always wanted to win because they wanted to get more money uh, for the club, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I wonder. So I wonder if the in the in the Concacaf Champions League, I wonder if that's the same. Like, is there a win bonus? four teams hmm, I um, will have to look at that you should find that out um but no I so they, they achieved the main thing they they advanced uh they got I think secondly they got a, a lot of good minutes um for a number of different players uh some number of players made their debut mm-hmm. really some real positives um I think it's extremely disappointing that you lose that game uh I think you should never. I don't like. You shouldn't be losing that game, and you shouldn't be losing the game the way they did. Uh, I I think I was telling you. I watched it live. I was watching it live, right up until the seventy second or seventy third minute, and then I had to leave where I was. Yes. I was like, okay, well, I'll just watch the rest. I'll watch the rest later. The, the end of the game later because I I 
PVR did on uh, Fubo TV. And um, I got <laughs> got home and I got the message. I was like, oh, the, yeah, the game's over. Whatever. And I saw the thing. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> it was, was it, uh, when I left it, it was 1-1, I think. Yeah. And I was like, 3-2 loss. And like it was, I was just like, "That's not possible." And then you were, then you were talking, filling me in before I even saw the saw the goals about how uh, unfortunate the marking was once again in the yes. box. So, yes. so, so again, they did the job, whatever. But there are some extreme signs of how this is not. This feels now no longer like a minor thing. This something needs to be done about how they're how they're defending, uh, especially on set plays. Well, More than set plays, but especially on set plays. I mean, it wasn't even just the goals. There was other instances during that game where the defending yes. was terrible. Yeah, and like four minutes in, the the first chance for Espana, and it's like the the one thing you didn't want to do was, and they didn't. To be fair, is if you let Espana score early, all of a sudden yeah. they're like, you know, we could do this. Yep, and. If it wasn't for Thomas Hassal, who, I mean, let's give full credit to Thomas, he came in and a, a couple of maybe shaky moments. We, we got to see him giving up an indirect free kick for holding on to the ball too long. Yeah, it was a, Which another, I actually love to see awarded because it should get called way more often. I didn't love it in the 2020 uh, No, but, but, I mean, rules are rules. Even though one soccer seemed to say it is the rule, but it's like, no, there's no but. It's the rule. It should be called more often. And so someone said that the time did it was like twenty seconds or something that he was holding on to. So oh, I didn't that, know it was that that's long. fair enough. But yeah, I mean there was that. But I mean those saves. Hassel had six in the first half, yeah. and that could have been a whole kind of squeaky bum time. No, like watching caps. watching it again, I thought, oh, you got to the half. It's zero zero. Probably should have scored. But for the one thing that was great was yeah, clean sheet. I thought Hassal played great and in the first half. I wouldn't I would have never predicted it would have there would have been five goals in that second half. And it mm. definitely would not have predicted that, you know, Royal Spain would have come out with, with more of them. Yeah. And it it does turn out I just checked the White Caps do get um ham for winning that tie. <laughs> it's Honduras allocation money. It's only good on bags of piss. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if they have another trip down there, they they can spend that wisely. Oh my! Mm. But I mean that that was one of those games. Now Vanny was obviously confident that they could go down and and do well, and I was as well. But you you're taking a risk because I thought he would play a young starter team, but just maybe have those guys on the bench in case things weren't going well, and then you bring it on to close down. But you, you leave them at home. And you leave yourself open to, oh, we've gone a couple of goals down here and we, we maybe don't have these guys to tighten things up. That didn't happen, so it doesn't really matter. But we're talking about the defensive lapses, so I did speak to Vanny after the game about that. And I played this audio on our extra podcast, but I did mention I was going to play it on, on this show as well. So let's just hear what Vanny had to say about those horrible goals given up and the few other close calls defensively. Hey Vanny, congratulations on going through and a, a fun game really today. Uh, you, you know it wouldn't be me if I wasn't going to ask you about the defence and the marking. So you, you touched on it there, but two of the goals, three headers again in the box. There's an, another couple of free headers as well that 
produce good saves from Thomas Asal. How concerned are you about this? Because it, it doesn't seem to matter what players are in there. These free headers just keep happening. Yeah, yeah, I am concerned, of course. And we need to be better. Uh, I need to evaluate better what happened today. So they had two big, big boys, very big boys. So And uh, it was hard today. But uh, I think the last goal especially was uh, we should have done much better. Uh, the first goal was, uh, I think Thomas has been a little bit, uh, uh, kind of, I don't know the English word, to be honest. Uh, like uh, it was very hard for him because of the wind. The wind changed the trajectory of the ball because actually the defense was okay. It was his ball to to get it. And the second goal was a banger, to be honest. Yeah, he stopped the ball. and then he, So that's, uh, but I agree with you. We need to do much better in terms of positioning in terms of being aggressive and in terms of uh, there are some players that they don't get uh, the fact that if you are zonal, it doesn't mean you're a stick. We need to attack the ball. So Vanny there, I, I, I liked his answer to that, Zach, because it wasn't quite the answer that we've had before when I've spoken to him about it, because... He says, yeah, I am concerned, of, of course. We need to be better and they, they need to evaluate what happened. And at the end of that, he says, we need to do much better in terms of positioning, in terms mm. of being aggressive and in terms of there are some players that don't get the fact that if you're zonal, it doesn't mean you are a stick. We need to attack the ball. And that's exactly what I said to him for that first game of the season, it's was like, but shouldn't they have been running and attacking the ball to the back post and the guy running in? And he kind of had downplayed that. But at least he's coming round to to admitting that, yeah, I think he just didn't want to throw the players under the bus at that first game, to, to be honest. Javine Brown in particular. But, I mean, it's it, it's concerning and it raises the question, so what's wrong? Is it the system that is wrong and they're not executing it properly? Or are the players not understanding what their roles are or meant to be in that system? Or, which would be the more worrying aspect, are the players that he has not capable of playing that system? Or is it all, yeah. all of the above? Oh well, yeah, it might be a com- somewhat a combination of, of those factors. Yeah, it, it always feels like... Sorry, it, Maybe not always. It, 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 for me, it has felt like the system Vanny wants to play is the ways that only ways I can think of describing my mind sound kind of really negative. So, so I don't. I'll two. I'll say both of them. You can tell me if they're both. But like they're almost too modern, like too, or you know too modern for the players he has, or too too beyond like the MLS kind of level players that he has. Like it's no, too, I think that I think both of those are. And again, like I, 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 I don't say that to be mean or, or critical or harsh. I just feel like Vanny and his uh, his training, his studying of the game, is wanting to implement ideas that are bigger ideas from the global game that these players aren't ready for or not capable of, and he continues to try and force it. Uh, because he thinks that's best, which mm-hmm. of course everyone has their way of doing things, and they think it's the best way. That's why they do them. Um, but 
it feels like this is not if it, it feels like if he continues down this road without either altering the course somewhat or the players stepping let's say stepping up uh, or the players let's say implementing what he's asking better then it's it feels like it's it's uh it uh leads down a path that Vanny doesn't want to go mm. I mean, I mentioned to you during the week that uh, on our East Fife podcast, I'd spoken to the East Fife manager and asked him the question about zone marking or man marking. And he f- said that he, he prefers man marking because there's more accountability. You kind of said, well, it seems an, an old-fashioned kind of view. And yeah, it is. But sometimes with the players that you've got, which obviously at fourth-tier Scottish football, trying to get some of them to play zonal marking, they have enough trouble remembering their name. Never mind anything well, else, but well, like yeah. For example, for, let, me, let me ask you this: from the games you watch in the VMSL, mm-hmm. right, which is local, local high, high, local high level men's football and women's football, right? There's yeah. Well, there's, there's so, the MWSL, which is the, yeah. the women's one. Yeah. So, do you see a lot of zonal marking happening on, in those games? No. Okay. I just, I just, I asked that honestly. Interested is any yeah, coach no, at that level I mean, trying to implement? Because I mean I don't know that this is not maybe not when it started, but the first coach I remember who talking about it lots and using it lots and then having to defend it a fair amount when it didn't work was Rafa Benitez mm. at Liverpool. That's the first time I remember being like, okay, this marking is different, and him talking about different, him talking about it being zonal, and then when they would screw it up or someone would. Uh, you know, do some of the things we've seen done to the Whitecaps this year about, you know, creating movement on short corners or, or you know, second phases of free kicks or whatever, um, shifting people around and then, you know, finding the space to run into. He would have to defend his decision to do it or whatever. And, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it could come down to football IQ. Yes. And, and yes. It's something we've talked about before for over the years with many players. It's like sometimes, and like this is a, a bugbear of Steve's that he's mentioned a lot. Sometimes you can send players on the pitch with too much information. And then if things haven't been going well, they're kind of like mulling things over and then the ball's coming across and like, should I stand here? Should I do that? And that goes into like Vanny saying it doesn't mean they have to stand like a stick. To me, that comes across that. The players are confused. They don't know what to do or how they should react. And if they come out of the zone, are they going to get bollocked for it? If they stay in the zone, are they going to get bollocked for it? So they kind of end up just standing there and then they don't do either. And then the, the opposition score. It is Steve's bugbear. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it was better. And we'll, in the next part, we'll talk about the, the Galaxy game. But I think it was better on Saturday. There wasn't as glaring mistakes as in that one but I mean we've got to be honest I, I, as well Real Espanya were not a very good team and they just yeah. made us look terrible defensively that, that's what should be concerning you know, speaking of the LA game without talking about the LA game I texted you this because I heard it I was watching the Apple TV plus broadcast and I heard them say and I didn't hear the beginning and I didn't go back but I heard them say oh they're working on their their zonal marking in in, tra- in training and they're they're shifting to what did I say? Shifting the, to pick up the two biggest threats of the opposition. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure, you know, because it's the... I it's was thinking the, about it. It has to have been the Whitecaps they were talking about. 
like the, the white caps will work in the zonal marking because as i said to you we don't have two attacking threats but <laughs> i i think that was i think that was it was that the white caps have been working more on the zonal side of things yeah well it's confusing when you're when they're talking about it on the Vanny Darby podcast or yes. uh, match. Yeah. Vanny said, it's like, what Vanny? Vanny? What Vanny? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, it, we'll get to the LA game very soon. Just to, to finish up the Champions League talk, we now know it's LAFC in the quarterfinals and the Whitecaps should have been at home in the second leg again, but they've had to switch it around and they're at home in the first leg because of stadium availability. And both clubs agreed to that. It is very irritating in the one respect. But again, I quite like the fact that we are away in the second leg of this. I'll explain why. There's been 11 previous meetings between the Whitecaps and LAFC. Both teams have won four of them. And there's been three draws. So we are level with LAFC in games played. Now, if you ask people <laughs> if you felt that, they'd be like, what? No. 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 LAFC hammer us. Yeah, the 6 nil. Yep, 6-1. Wasn't there another, there was wasn't there another shock? Well. Yeah, 6-1, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's been four games at BC Place from those 11, and the Whitecaps have won three of them, and they've lost one. In two of those three wins, they kept clean sheets. So LA, for some reason, struggle big time when they come up here. I don't know if it's the pitch. I don't know if it's the oh, atmosphere, it's... the stadium, everything. Their former coach, Bob Badley, would tell you it's the partly oh, due yes. pitch. And yeah. partly due because, actually, at least one of those times, I remember they rotated, at least not maybe not holistically, but significantly, partly because, I think partly either because of the pitch or because of the other matches they had around it. But, I mean, here at BC Place... The Whitecaps have a, a very strong record against LAFC. The ideal scenario is the Whitecaps win this first leg and keep LAFC from getting an away goal. So even if it's 1-0, you're then going into LA in that second leg knowing if you can just get an early away goal, all of a sudden the pressure is on LAFC. And that's why I think this might work in their favour. Now, what might go against that is the Whitecaps have never won in LA and they've been outscored 20-7. to But they've only not scored in one of those six games. So they can score down there. And the gap's been getting closed. Yeah, but they scored in a 6-1. What was the order? Yeah, but they've drawn two of the last three games down there. Uh, Oh, that's right, that's right. So they they have kind of narrowed the that gap. So I, I think this is a winnable tie. We'll just have to to see if my optimistic way... I mean, I, I did have the Whitecaps finishing fourth, so my Optimism Union's card has been renewed for this season. But, I mean, they've, they've got a chance, and I do genuinely think being away in that second leg could work in their favour only if they can keep LAFC off the score sheet at BC Place in the first leg. Aside from the one at Salt Lake, where were, Salt Lake, where were these other games played? So there was one at Salt Lake, four at BC Place, and six at LAFC. Six at LAFC. Oh, right, because they have unusual schedules in the yeah. past, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's just how that worked out. But yeah, looking forward to, to that already. We we got the taste of the Whitecaps playing another LA club at the weekend, and we'll be back chatting about that after this. 
Hi, I'm Simon Batcher, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. This one's for the rebels with a cause. Close the fast snobs, you need a punch in the nose. This one's for the good old food boys. We're gonna carry on and make some noise. We won't change the world, but we stand proud. We won't change the world, but we don't care. Running through the back streets of this dirty old town, we shouted out the kings without a crown. This one's for our mates in town. You know we won't be dragged down. This one's for our true friends. Will never end. We won't change the world, but we stand proud. We won't change the world, but we don't care. Running through the back streets of this dirty old town, we shout it out, the kings without a crown. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of March from Luxembourg, The Skin Flicks. That is a song from their 2022 compilation album, Cream of the Cropped, and that was Kings Without a Crown. The Whitecaps, Kings of Cascadia, we've sung that several times, Zach, maybe not for a while now. But they're not kings without a crown, because they do have their Canadian Championship crown, at least until the next one kicks off. But they are kings without a victory still in Major League Soccer, because four games played, still looking for their first win of the season. The latest, a one all draw down in LA. So last year, the Whitecaps in their first four games had just one solitary point to show for their efforts. They did get a a win in week five. This season, they're a point better. But after all the talk, and there was a lot of talk from the end of last season and the build-up to this season about having to get off to that fast start and a better start than they did last year, it's, it's not been ideal, to say the least. And all of this does is just really piled a lot more pressure on their shoulders. Yeah, it, it it totally does, and I I gotta you gotta feel a little bit you gotta have some sympathy for them with you know all the matches in the short amount of space, and we this is not news. We said this from the beginning. This is this is going to be tough. We talked about how all the others who do this are in the Champions League. This is tough, an incredibly tough part of the season for them. So I felt a little bit bad for them in terms of like I think you could tell in this game a little bit that. Things were wearing on them, and and it, in particular, in some big moments that we're going to talk about, especially with their their new number <laughs> their new number nine. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is uh, an unfortunate way to to start the season, and you you wonder, okay, yeah, when is it going to come? As as frustrating as the start has been, one other thing I'll add, Michael, is that I think they are looking at this like after eight or nine or ten games, right? Like. Things are not great in this moment, but I think they they will see some of the 
some signs that are positive and some signs that are encouraging, especially in comparison to that opening. I think it was eight games last year that were awful. Yeah. Well, the first eight games, they were on four points, one win and a draw. Yeah. So you you look at the games coming up as well, though, and you're thinking these first eight games, maybe a win and two draws could be what they're they're looking at at the end of it. But hmm. which would be better than right? It it would be a point better. (laughs) Don't think that was what they were targeting. I've got to say. But let's look at the latest game, a one-all draw, and I've had some interesting discussions with various people. about this game this weekend. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one, Zach. Personally, I feel it was a good point. Anytime you can go to one of the LA teams and come away with a point, I think that that's a good result. But I mean, this was a game that both teams will think, well, we could have won that, but equally they'll think we could easily have lost that. And I'm sure the Galaxy aren't delighted with a point. But although the Galaxy, I think, had the better chances in that first half, the Whitecaps, for, for all LA's possession and shots, the Whitecaps had the better actual goal-scoring opportunities in that second half. Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I I agree with you in principle. I think any away game in MLS you take a point or more from is, is a you know, job done. And even more so, as you said, when you're playing in the city of Los Angeles or Carson, as the case may be, so I, I think in that sense, it's a positive thing. I think it's very, very frustrating, though, Michael, to once again have the lead and uh, and and give it up. So I think that that's a concerning thing for them. And But on the other side, on the other end of the, end of the scale, I also think they're a little bit fortunate to to have come away with a point. You and I have talked a lot of, you know, during the, during the match and maybe a little bit after as well. Uh, I still think that their goal... In a, in a league that uses uh, the, the uh, highest level of technology, would call Blackman offside on on their goal. So in one, in one sense, I think they, they got to feel fortunate they got, they got out of there with a point. Yeah. Let, let's delve into a couple of the, the big talking points. So the Whitecaps, they were playing their fifth game in 15 days. And as you said, that's obviously going to take a little bit of a, a toll on them. But... They did take the lead, and it was a it was a well worked goal. Totally, fourteen minutes in, a, a free kick. Which I mean, I I don't know if Gold pretending to touch the ball threw off it, the galaxy or it not. Totally did. No, it to- it totally did, dude. I, I I just the the reason that I'm saying I don't know if it did is it's like how can you fall for that in this day and age? Something no, because- like that, but. I might be wrong, but the way I remember it is as he goes to do that. And again, I think they were doing that in the same way that teams have been trying to, you know, catch them out with yeah. like how they're taking free oh, yeah, kicks. And, which they have. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a little bit along those. And I it, I might be wrong, but the way I remember it happening is as Gold does that, their further back uh, center backs start to move up. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to have a higher line. And because Gressel takes it quick, is why I, even though I think it was the wrong decision, why Blackman gets into the space because he sort of either pass, I think he passed those defenders or those defenders passed him, and he was open on the you know goal side and, and facing the ball, and he was able to get on the end of it. So I think it had a huge impact on the on the goal. Credit to them, and yeah, Gressel, Gressel's another delivery. amazing delivery. Oh, fourth assist of the season. 
on on the White Cap Supporters Facebook page, I saw this guy complaining about oh Gressel's so slow. And it's like the dude's got four assists this year. He's like the player of the season by a mile. How why, how are you finding any reason to complain about him? Well, Michael, how long do you want the show to be to talk about people <laughs> posting on Facebook? <laughs> True. But he has been excellent, but that delivery, pinpoint, and I've got to give full credit to Blackman as well, to lose the guys and to get goal side in them, and they, just the way he met it as well. Now, we do slightly disagree in this. When I first yep. saw it, I thought it was offside, and I thought it'd get yep. called back. And I was watching the game on Apple, so it was only afterwards I went back on TSN because it's easier to kind of freeze frame it and play it along. So as I freeze frame it, to me, right as Gressel kicks the ball, and this is where it's really hard to, to tell, it looks like their shoulders are level. You would need the lines, and he's either going to be a couple of millimetres or a couple of centimetres off or on. It's very, very tight. And and as I said to you in our, our, our messaging back and forth, if your TV pause was the highest level of technology available to us, <laughs> you would I'd probably agree with you. However, uh, at this level of football, it, it, it they should be using the best available technology. Well, you say that I will state for the record now. I do not want fucking lines coming to MLS drawn on the screen. It pisses me off so much. I don't. I oh, let me clarify. I don't want lines how they do them in the Premier League. Yeah, I've seen a few times in there. They're awful. The way they do them in the Bundesliga. I would say I haven't seen that, so that I don't know. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. The the English system is it's you're just like a ball here, like over, and it's like oh that's offside, and that I I can't stand, and. I know folk will go, well, it's either offside or it's not offside. If you need to draw a line and like have a minuscule zoom in to see if the guy's just slightly off or not, you can't call that. It's got to be, can you see it without all that kind of stuff going on? For me, anyway. Otherwise, it's just ruining it. But, but, I, but I, I, I think Blackman was on. Just. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It does. They, they gave the goal. <laughs> yes. They gave the goal. And yeah. And, and they got a point. Yeah, true. So let's just take it and say, well done. The Whitecaps lead, though, was nearly very short-lived. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious for your thoughts on this one. Uh, Yohei Takaoka produced a double save two minutes after the goal to keep the, the lead intact. And very possibly, it'll be our AFTN save of the year. And I've, I've watched it back... And what I thought was a fantastic double save to begin with, I now think was an absolutely fantastic second recovery save, but maybe a bit of a poor effort on the first one, just because he didn't have a strong enough arm to push it out of the danger zone, and that's why he then had to recover to get it. Now, I might be doing harsh here, as Paul Dolan did mention, saying I don't know anything about goalkeeping on the post-game radio show that we did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're talking about where he made the save and he had to leap back behind him, right? Yeah, so the, the yeah, leap yeah. back off the line, fantastic recovery, acrobatic, uh, yeah, great, great reaction. But the first save, I think he could have done better on and not got a stronger arm to it and not allowed it to go back in the first place. Uh, I mean, if you want to get real critical, I'm, uh, I, I, what you're saying is valid, yeah. Uh, I think 
I, I, I could, I could hear Mary's robe saying the same thing, but ultimately he kept it out. So, like, yeah. If that, if that, uh, maybe, if that I, maybe I'm just being super harsh. I don't know. No, yeah, no, you're being critical. You know, and that's part of what you do. But I mean, it, the bottom line is the worst thing that's going to happen is going to take away his AFTN save of the year. Well, for for the second one, I think he's still got. A, I mean, that off the goal line was just tremendous. So, I, I think he's still he's in the lead so far. Although Thomas Asal had a couple of good ones against España. Yes. Talking of tackle, well, okay. wait, 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 oh, you you haven't even gotten to uh, Callum Irving from Saturday. Oh, that point blank one that he did, yes. There's, there was two that were top drawer. Anyways, well, we, we got to we'll talk come about to that, that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that later. Oh, I'm, I have always just given the the save of the year to Whitecaps. Are we going to have to relook at this now? Or are you going to have to individualize the? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, we could, we could have a CPL one and we could have a Whitecaps one. Yeah, there's so go. much, and then a League One one, and oh, there's so much now. We could, we, could, we could have Major League and Minor League. How about that? Isn't Minor League? I believe that's what the Canadian men have called the CPL. You're not biting, okay? Twice did they do that? Is that what you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> talking attack at Oka. Oh, how, how do you think he's been? Because uh, I, I, are we talking about before we talk about the goal against? <laughs> because yeah, because I, I, I think this was the thing that annoyed Dolly. Because I said, "Well, he's been good for one or two mistakes a game," which Dolly didn't agree with. But I think he has. I think he has, but uh, I mean, maybe Dolly's being gracious or generous. I'm not sure which, but yeah, he is. He's made some great saves. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, the LA goal is yeah. Let's talk about shambolic. that. Then. Shambolic. Uh, oh, so, 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 how? Yeah, I, I have no problem with you saying he wasn't good based on that goal alone. I mean, it was it was a horrible goal. Yeah, I mean, Edwards, lovely little chip ball into the box, but something ninety nine times out of hundred, the keeper's going to deal with it. Yeah. It somehow just wriggles free and it falls at the worst possible place at the feet of Kelvin Leardam. On the post-game show, they felt, oh, Javane Brown will want that one back because he should have been the other side of Leardam. Javane Brown was not expecting that ball to come out. Yeah. I don't think yeah, you can I, pin any blame on Javane Brown at all for not being goal side of Leardam. There, there was that awkward interaction between the, or like, you know, the, not blame, I don't blame each other, being like, wait, why didn't you, why yeah. didn't you, why didn't you? Yeah. Javane looked very pissed off. Yeah. And I think rightly so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he stops because he's like, oh, the keeper has this. Yeah. So it it's hard to it's hard to feel like he was wrong. Yeah. On that one, like I, it, it was yeah. a horror goal. Like when we're when we're having, like if we have a cock up of the year, we always have miss of the year. We haven't done like cock up of the year. I mean, right now that is right up there, but. If, if we're talking about goalkeepers as well, just before that, there was the, the goalkeeping change for LA when Edwards crashes into Jonathan Bond and then Klinsman Jr. has to come on. And I, I don't know what Edwards was getting in Dahomey's face for because Christian Dahomey did nothing wrong in that. Yeah. I don't know if Edwards felt that Dahomey had nudged him into the keeper, but it's like... Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. But I don't. I didn't see that at all. I... I 
thought Dahomey did nothing wrong. At first, I thought he was going to get booked for it, and then it's like common sense prevailed. But but so, yep, it was all the goalkeeping talk in that first half. In level at 1-1. And then the, the second half, I do feel the Whitecaps had the better of the opportunities, and they squandered it. I mean, they had a four-on-three breakaway about the hour mark that really they should have capitalised on. Mm-hmm. They had a, a flashing close-range header from Ryan Gold that came at him very quickly but was nowhere near the goal the way that he directed it on. So, I mean, there was that chance as well. But the worst of all, Ryan Gold, 75th minute, brilliantly plays in Brian White. Klinsman's coming oh, towards him. Yeah. And it, it's like, you expect a top striker to do better than that. Yeah, like I if you're, if you're someone the, the net, but it's like not miss as much as he missed. If you're your coach's perfect striker in the yes. whole entire world, yeah, you, that's got to be your goal. I, I obviously he's opening up his he opens up his foot to to bend it in at the what is the, I guess the far post on the play. Yeah. Um, but Wolf hopefully miss hits it, which is unfortunate because the, another positive which you didn't mention from the from the Concacaf Champions League game. Was Brian White scoring a really nice oh, goal? Oh, yeah, fantastic. Like, and I thought, great. Uh, He's got this yeah. confidence. He's loving these cup competitions. Yeah, it was a very Brian White goal, too. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, this got him got him in some form. But apparently not. No. We just have to tell him it's a cup every week and possibly totally. he might start to do well. It was just so disappointing. I understand why he hit it when he hit it, because the keeper's way out. He could have taken a touch and rounded the keeper. Maybe he'd have been brought down if he'd timed it correctly and then they wouldn't have had a goalkeeper, which would have been fun as well. But it it was one of those horrible moments that you thought had proved super costly because two minutes later, the Galaxy had the ball in the back of the net. And this decision, I'd, I'd like your thoughts on this because I think it was harsh on LA. Yeah, this is the Jovalich? Jo- yeah. Yeah, to me, the, the handball that for me yeah. was his shoulder. Yeah, to me again, like I guess message you as we were watching this. I, I I feel like how come there weren't more camera angles of what happened, mm. right? Like that's one of the things again when you when you watch VAR around the world, there's usually like four or five, well at least let's say four camera angles, and I think they only showed one or two of this in in the broadcast, and none of them were from the other side, which would have been the definitive side. To view it from to show that it was, was clear and obviously the correct decision or the incorrect decision and it looked like hey based on these camera angles that we have which are not great we, we can't actually determine it either way so we got to leave what would happen on the field so again yeah. I, I question mls and some of their uh how they're going about um uh using you know this modern technology because it feels like they're not using it in the in the best way well, have you seen the Montreal highlights? No. Right, okay. Well, but we'll talk about that at the end of this when we're doing our MLS roundup. If you want to find out about VAR things, don't look it up because I want to I want to tell you what happened and see your reaction. Oh, I can't look it up? No. Okay. You can you can look it up after I tell you. I just want to see your initial reaction when I when I tell you what happened. But yeah, I, I thought it was harsh on LA. LA feels it was harsh on LA and it would really have punished that miss by white but i mean at that point the galaxy were trying to commit numbers forward to to get the win 
but it was leaving them short at the back and the Whitecaps' quick breakaways were causing a lot of problems. Jervane Brown then had a deflected shot in from the right, crashed off the far post. And then the last chance, it was nearly an own goal. Caceres, a brown long throw. Caceres rises to meet it. It's going towards the goal and a scrambling Klinsman just tips the ball away. Ultimately, I think a decent road point for Vancouver. A game both teams could have won, both teams could have lost. So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with it. I know it's not great that we still don't have a win. A couple of other things about this game that I just want to talk about, and one of them is uh, Sergio Cordova, who... Yeah, this is huge. I, I haven't been very impressed by him so far. But I am keeping in mind what Vanny said a couple of weeks ago, that if you look at the players are all at week nine of the season, but he's at week four in his levels and fitness and stuff like that. So he is still getting up to speed and everything. So I'm trying to keep an open mind with that. I was a little concerned when you looked at his stats that last year in RSL was his best of a year as a, a player. His most goals in a season... And I said to you when it was first rumoured, is it because he finds MLS easier than Bundesliga? And that was maybe why he'd had all those those goals. Was it just the style here suited him? Or the other worry was, was that his Brian White year, where everything just went right and he was banging the goals in. And interestingly, talking of Brian White, West Sider 13 on the South Siders Forum Revealed something a little intriguing and concerning uh, as well, which he mentioned that if you bring up his profile on FB Ref, it reveals that in the 10 statistical comparisons to him, one of those listed against him is Brian White. So Vanny has gone out and got another Brian White esque striker in, if you look at those. FB Ref's kind of stats and uh, analysis there. And that in itself is also interesting because the, the commentators mentioned in the build-up to the game that Cordova was playing the, the role with White behind him because Vanny had felt that under the system that Vanny wants to play, Cordova can't press enough as a sole number nine, so he has to have that help there. So you've got your DP player coming in, playing a system that maybe isn't suited to him, and he's been your big kind of splash that, that you've done in the off-season. Now, initially, you're wondering what the, the injury was. I mean, it looked hamstring, but then you're thinking, oh, hope it's not anything maybe like knee or or anything like that. It does look like it is hamstring. The word on the street is he's going to be out for maybe six to eight weeks, which is just a, a massive blow for him because he's already not up at full fitness. Now he's got to miss these six to eight weeks, come back in, get his fitness levels back up again. So he's still several weeks away, several months away possibly from being the player that the Whitecaps need. And all in all, that's just very, very concerning. You you could see, like you you saw when he was on the ground, realizing he was injured, pulling his shirt over his head, 
Yeah, he was just distraught that he knew he was going to miss his call up or not be able to play for his country. Yeah, and when a player pulls his the shirt over his head, you also know it's not, not a nothing good. injury. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's concerning for for all of that. I'm saying I don't know what we've got in him yet. He's the the striker that was number one in Vanny's list of guys to come in from within the uh, league. Yeah, after after Brian White. Well, he already had him. He already has so Brian. Now, now he's got the two best strikers for him in yeah. in Major League Soccer. But now you're in a situation where you've got Brian White, who's not in great form, as really the only striker. Simon Betcher, I would love to see him get more minutes here because we've only had fleeting glimpses of him in the first team. Obviously, I watched a lot of him last year with WFC too, but whenever he's had these call-ups in these minimum minutes, he's made the most of them, including that fantastic goal against Real España midweek. Yeah. So, very concerning all round. We'll see how that one plays out. Minnesota up next. It's a tough place to go. They've just gone to Colorado and come away with a a 2-1 win at the weekend. I I watched the highlights of that just before we were recording this. And Colorado were the better team in that. And they really took the game to Minnesota. But Colorado took the lead and then Minnesota came. They got a penalty and then got the winning goal. That's going to be a tough place to play. And the Whitecaps don't do well there in Minnesota. They've had five... MLS meetings in Minnesota. They drew the first one 2-2 in 2017. Since then, they've lost three and drawn one of the next four, and they haven't managed to score a goal. One of the things, though, I think that is maybe going to be in their favour a little bit in this is Minnesota are going to be missing eight players to international duty, so they are going to be much weaker. The Whitecaps themselves will be missing three, but right now, I I look at this game and I I feel you go in, you get another point in the road, and I I take that as a good result. Yeah, I think you're again anywhere you can go on the road and get get a point. I think that's huge in MLS. I mean, yeah. football in general, that's like a rule of thumb: win at home, draw, do better on the road, and you've done well. Yeah, and of course, the problem the Whitecaps have now is they've dropped five points from their their home games to start with. So that yeah. doesn't put things in a in a great light for them. We're not going to do a big delve into the, the MLS games this week, but I'll, I'll give you the results from the way. So Seattle nil, LAFC nil in the big game in the afternoon. Bit of a disappointment, really, that one in the end. Yeah. Watch the highlights or the goals of Atlanta destroying Portland. And Atlanta are starting to hit their stride. They're looking yeah. really good. They look like they could be dominant again, maybe even as dominant as their their MLS Cup winning year, but they are looking very good. And Portland, not looking all that hot, I've got to say. St. Louis keeps rolling, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, let's go with that. 3-0 to St. Louis. I watched the highlights of that. Fully deserved. San Jose didn't even give them a goal with a bad back pass. No. And... Like Klaus is, or oh, Klaus. you see his goal. Yeah, Do you see his goal. Yeah, I mean again, that's the, some. Well, he had the look away pass. Yeah, which wasn't good because it went to a San Jose player, but then they yeah. didn't handle it very well, and he got it back. Yeah. I guess that was sort of the, maybe the gift moment for them. Yeah, oh, yeah, you could say that because they yeah. really did not handle that well. No. Yeah, that was a good win for St. Louis. 
setting a record as the first expansion team now to to win their first four games and only the fifth team in MLS history since they got rid of shootouts to to win at least four games to start a season off and when you when you looked at some of the this way that they were building their squad and it's like oh I'm not sure about that they clearly know what they were doing because yeah that was good it was Dallas 2, Sporting Kansas City 1. So Kansas City got their first goal of the season, but lost to Dallas. And Houston 2, Austin 0. Who would have saw that coming? Yeah, Austin really just have not found that form. And I thought they were going to be really strong again because I liked the additions that they'd made in the off season, And yeah. I had them possibly finishing second again, but definitely top three for me, depending on how Seattle had done. But you uh, have to beat Houston to be top three. Yeah. Well, Houston's in the playoff places just now. If, if we look at the West, St. Louis out on top, 12 points, 100% record from their four games played. They've got a five-point lead over four teams now that's on seven points. LAFC, Seattle, Dallas, and Minnesota. Austin, San Jose are on six. Salt Lake and Houston on three in the final two playoff spots. Portland's on three, Vancouver's on two, Galaxy's on two, Kansas City's on two, and Colorado, bottom of the pile, on one. Four teams still looking for their first victories of the season in the West. The Whitecaps, the Galaxy, Kansas City, and Colorado. And three teams still undefeated in the West, which is St. Louis, LAFC, and Minnesota. So, interesting stuff so far. The good thing from a Whitecats point of view is with nine teams going in and everyone beating everyone else just now, they've still got a lot of time to turn this around. So it, it isn't panic stations. Yeah. But they do have to start getting some wins on the board soon. Oh, yeah. They need to They need to uh, go on a run. But but again, the other <laughs> to, to not put too much on them, I think you got to look at it after eight games. I think eight games is the first measuring stick. I think Axel's probably thinking the same. We said we need to be better. Are we going to be better? And all jokes aside, I don't know if five points is is good enough for them, uh, you know, as as opposed to last year's four, or if they have a metric in mind um, that, uh, you know, a point metric in mind that, you know, is definitive for them in terms of, you know, being better, being better, good enough or, or further ahead than, than last year, but yeah. I mean, Vanny will be feeling the pressure because, again, like if we're talking about point metrics and stuff, you don't know what what Axel maybe has in his mind as, okay, this is acceptable that for yeah. us to be at, and if we haven't got that, if we've gone out of the Champions League, what are we going to do about the coaching situation? Because if you look at the next four games just that are coming up in, in league duty, you're away at Minnesota, that's going to be hard to play. The, the one win that I think they could possibly get, although you could argue maybe two, like Montreal coming to town on April Fool's Day. Let's hope it's not us that are made to be the fools that day. Montreal may be starting to hit a little bit of form, but you'd fancy the Whitecaps at home in that one. But the next two league games, they're at home at Portland, which again, Cascadia games, you just don't know how they're going to go. And then they're away to Austin. So that's they're tough, tough games. Minnesota, Montreal, Portland, Austin as your next four. Yeah. 
So, pretty, pretty, pretty key games. You're right. I mean, the the two home Montreal and Portland. If this team is going to do anything, you've got to say they're winnable games. They need six points from that, and then if they can pick anything up on the road in Minnesota, that would be excellent. And if they can pick anything up in Austin, because Austin aren't in great form right now, then that would be a bit of an added bonus as well. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So I, I've seen, I've watched Toronto's goals. Tell me what I missed in Montreal. Right. Well, Toronto was a 2 0 win. So they got their first win of the season. Yeah. And Montreal got was their it, was, first win of the season. Was the goal credited to Osario? Yeah. It was an own goal. It it was, it's been given to also the first yeah. one and then yeah, Mark Mac. Anthony Key. For Great the to see the one. Canadian boys scored on the week they get called up. Yeah. Happy for them. Right, Montreal. So they, they came away on the end of a, a, a good victory, a tough victory over Philadelphia Union that's been playing so well this season. Is it the Champions League curse and so many games you could say that they lost this one? So this was a very interesting game. Montreal took the lead three minutes in from the spot, Romel Kyoto. And then minute into the second half, or seconds into the second half, Philadelphia tied it up through Ura, and then Ura got a second on the hour mark before Carranza got sent off for Philadelphia in the 69th minute. But Montreal pushed, but Philly were holding on. And then this is the big talking point. The 90th minute, Montreal get an equaliser, off or, puts it in the back of the net. He he heads it home after a little bit of of a scramble. The ball comes to Chinoso off or, heads it in. They're celebrating. The referee is called over for a video review. Referee watches it. It's a long review. Two and a half to three minutes. Comes out. No goal. Offside. The game kicks off. The referee gets a note in his ear. Oh, we found another thing that you should watch. He goes back over to look at it. And at, that's the, bottom, loud. at the bottom of a screen, there's the little guy that's playing everyone on side. And the goal gets given. Technically, that's not allowed. Yeah. It's against the rules of VAR. The rules of VAR, once the game's kicked, once the next play has started, you can't go back. I'm pretty sure it had kicked off. I might be wrong with that. I'll double check because I watched the highlights, but I'd read that the game had restarted. So maybe it hadn't fully restarted. Maybe because I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected, but I thought for sure that. That's oh, no, that, that, if it had restarted, that would have been against it. But the fact that it was such a long video review and then it's like, oh, no, you've missed this guy at the bottom that's playing them on. That's shocking. Yeah. So a very controversial ending to this one. And naturally, depending on what team you were a player or coach on, you've got different views of it. For Montreal's Hernan Lasada, he said that the decision was for the beauty of the sport. Whereas Philadelphia's Jim Curtin said, the word shit show comes to mind. <laughs> Love Jim Curtin. It, it, it gets even weirder though, because... Uh, after the game, Montreal midfielder Victor Wanyama mentioned that he pleaded for a second video review after he was informed by the team's technical staff that Wagner had kept the play on side. And Wanyama said, I went back to the ref to try and complain. I complained to the fourth official. 
I asked them to just communicate with VAR and also the ref because there was somebody that hadn't been picked up by the camera, so can you check again? The referee was on point, he went back to check and he made the right decision. So after the game, the referee, Nima Sagafi, got asked by the pool reporter to talk about it. So this is his statement. On the initial review, the defender holding Montreal number nine on side was off screen. After the initial review occurred, prior to play restarting, the VAR discovered an angle that clearly showed that Montreal number nine was in an onside position when the ball was touched by a teammate. Therefore, the correct decision was to allow the goal. So that was made before play had restarted. Oh, okay. If it's made before the play had restarted, that's fine. But this is seriously an issue. Like, they have to, they should do some kind of evaluation of where are the cameras in the stadiums yeah. and what are they using? Because, yeah, like like for like we talked about with Vancouver versus the Galaxy, I, I think that, uh, for the gal, for the gal, if you're a Galaxy fan, I think that if you have a different camera angle that's from behind the goal, there's there's no chance that that gets. Or sorry, I think that there's a chance that that goal gets called back on a clear and obvious evidence that it hit him in the chest or shoulder as opposed to the arm. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, and it, it's yeah. it's not a good look for VAR. Got to say that. Yeah. So a bit of controversy there, and then they got the winner. It was it had been four minutes of time added on, but because of everything that took so long, the winning goal came eight minutes into stoppage time with Kyoto sent the Montreal fans jubilant. Uh, the girl was tugging the bell end really fast. She was so excited. Oh, it was great. <laughs> so that's both the Canadian teams now oh. got their first wins of the season. That was a slow one to sink into you. That oh. was... They've got off the marks. It's just the Whitecaps now letting the size down. So hopefully they will get that first win of this season soon. That is our MLS and Whitecaps wrap-up. We're going to be turning our attention to Canadian Premier League in the next part. And we'll be back with that after this. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. 
And kicking off this part, it's one of our favourite German bands, Zach, just for you, Electric Callboy, with their song from their 2022 album Techno, and that was Techno Train. Woo, woo. Love the little difference in styles and musical genres that are in all these Electric Callboy songs. Hope you enjoyed it too. Hope you didn't have your volume up too, too loud for the, the loud parts there. Yeah, we're going to talk in this part about CPL, new playoff format, we'll get Zach's view on that, but we'll start off with some Vancouver FC chat, because we're not far out now from the 2023 CPL season getting underway, four weeks away now from that season opener over in Langford, should be a fantastic occasion, and a couple of weeks after that is going to be the first home game on May 7th against Cavalry FC out at the new stadium in Langley. So, Zach, you've been to a couple of games now. I've I've been to some training. I've taken in the BB5 friendly. That was a, a 2-0 win for Vancouver FC. 2-all draw yesterday against Valor. Their first game against CPL opposition. What are you making of the, the squad and, and the team just now from what you've seen? Uh, I mean, you, you see a, a group of of young players who are hardworking, who are putting into to place the the coach's plan. I think it was very different the game plans you saw between DB Five and we saw against Veller. Yeah, uh, which is which is really interesting because I I didn't fully understand why they were against BB Five. They were trying to play a game of quick balls over the top, but um, well, especially when the BB Five's got a couple of really big boys as centre backs in Ellie Gindo yeah. and Oshmachenko. Well, I think they were trying to take advantage of maybe their their the limited pace. Maybe I don't know. No, Ellie's but, a fat. That's just because they haven't really scouted them. Because Ellie's a fast centre back. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, uh, this team was much different. The, the ball, the ball, uh, the ball movements and whatever was much more um, like a short pass build up kind of kind of kind of play. Um, uh, I, I feel like this is the first time I've actually gotten to see Gail Sandoval play, which is mm-hmm. I think why there was yep. much more of a, a focus on on the, the on their the shorter passing game. With, I think he maybe uh, got that, what, some... 75, 80 minute run out. Yeah, something like that. Mm. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it, it was encouraging. Lots of uh, lots of good signs. A lot, I mean, it was a, a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, it was a, a absolutely beautiful day. It's the kind of day that. I think they'll if they can get any if they can get any of their games on on uh, if they can get many as many of as many as possible uh, games with weather like that I think they'll be over the moon because oh, yeah. it was sunny it wasn't crazy hot um, and uh, yeah it was just beautiful skies you could see the mountains over the ice hockey rink <laughs> um, and uh, no it was I don't know it was it was it was really great um, I think encouraging signs are things that are, are encouraging one thing was I didn't I. Forgot to ask later. Uh, Pele wasn't playing, so I don't know. No, he's away if... on international duty. Oh, oh international duty, yeah. right? Okay, yes. you've well, had your first call up without even playing exactly. a game. Exactly. That's why. Um, uh, that's why Bakari uh, was playing alongside Rocker Mayo. Rocker Mayo. Um, he's a big lad. He has. Uh, he plays a good. He, he plays a good long diagonal ball at the back too, which that they did use that uh, to to you know re- reasonable effect in the game as well. But yeah, he is. He is a big guy. He scored the opening goal, right? Yes, he did. 
Yeah. So and he so he I think I think he scored one of the other games I went to too. Yeah. Um, and Shane Hundle got the second one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just some and, and the first one was uh, were both of them were off second phases of set plays. Like the Rocco Romeo definitely was the second phase yeah. of a set play. Uh, no, Hundles wasn't. No, Hundles wasn't. No, Hundles wasn't. Sorry. I mean, um, it, it was a. It was a. I thought Val- Valor were the better team in the first half. Uh, yeah. I thought Vancouver were the the better team in the second half. Yeah, the the, the you, I think you're right. The, the, I think one of the things about overall in the three games I've seen them play, Michael is, and who knows how many changes this will there will be or whatever, and like you know, uh, Pelly being away for this time or whatever. But I'm encouraged by the by the back line. Um, it seems I think like, that's one of the uh, strengths of the team. Yeah, like Callum Irving. At the back, I thought made two absolutely oh. outstanding saves. The, yeah. the, the, we were talking about which one was better. There was the one where the guy was in alone, one on one, where he got down quickly to his right hand side, and the other one shortly thereafter was the free kick save that he just just got a fingertip to and put it over the bar, and it looked like it was going to either go in or go in off the bar or or go in or sorry hit the bar and cause problems. Um, Oh, yeah, we were talking about you. You saw both those, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, from my limited which, which view. Which one was better yeah. for you? Which one was better for you? First one for me. Yeah, for me too. A lot of people are like, "Oh no, the free kick, free kick." I was like, "No," because the free kick, I didn't really. You don't. You don't really expect a free kick to be that good all the time, but you expect a guy to score when he's in alone like that, like right, like right in front of goal. And the way Callum got down to that, I was just like, "Oh yeah, it's like this. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna get us points this year." Well, I was just about to say that we've and, spoken before about what a key player he's gonna be. He is gonna be a guy oh. that gets this team points, and so the, the back line's him, looking very solid. Yeah, so you got Romeo as a seems like a stalwart in front of him, and whether he's playing with uh, Pele or Bakari, I think Bakari might be the guy actually that that gets the starts, and then I, you've got Caden. Caden right back, great, and I. Even though I misidentified him for a couple of games, I'm really enjoying Crawford at left back, number 12 as well. Um, I thought he was someone else, I think, from the game against BB5. I'm still or learning a lot of this Unity. team. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were working on that at the game as well, and we got a few uh, updates at the, at the end of the game. It, uh, it, it's one of the rare Portland. times when it's the home fans that's going, who are you? Who are yeah. you? <laughs> well, we, they, there was a little song for um, for Cal Irving, We Know Who You Are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, no, well, it was, you, like midfield, you've got Simmons, who's obviously yes, a converted good. wide player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's doing great in the middle of the park. Oh, he's excellent. He's looking yeah. good. I, as this squad was getting announced and getting built, I was like, oh, I don't know about it. But the more that I'm seeing them play, I'm getting yeah. quite excited by it. And, uh, and that's what I think. I think. I think there. And this is down to having a a coach of the quality of of Ashton is that you, you you have the sense and when you talk to people on the inside that they're really gelling together as a group like they're really wanting to like play for each other and yeah. that I'm really really excited about how it's how it's coming along well I I told you before I think I we spoke about this in the show but from what I've seen at training he he he's doing so well with this group and from just chatting to some of the players, they, they feel this is some of the best training that they've had, especially the guys that's been elsewhere in the CPL. So, I mean, it, it's all starting to take shape. There's a couple of things I am a bit disappointed by. I, I 
I'm not going to sugarcoat this. When everything was announced that the team was coming and when we spoke to Rob and Rob said this publicly as well, he wanted this to, to feel like a, a team for the local community with local players. And for various reasons, some of it being maybe salary demands of some of the, the local guys, it's not been easy to get this local talent. So this is a squad primarily built not on BC players. And I would have liked a few more in there just for that local connection. So that that is a disappointing part of it for me. And we, I think we talked about it on the last show, right, Michael? I think, yeah, it is exactly what you said, that when when you say things publicly like that, it then allows, well, two things. It can allow people like agents to then be like, okay, well, if they want local players, then we know that they want my player who's local. Therefore, I can ask for more or demand more or whatever. You also have what you have commonly throughout the football world. You have uh, players or players and their agents who feel that they're worth more than what the club would value them at or what the yeah. club feels that they can have, feels that they could spend. Or in the case of a Canadian Premier League side, they have an incredibly small uh, player salary budget that they're working with, right? Yeah, so, and, and you've got to allow all the money to go to, like, Camilo Sanvezo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, did you see Miner's tweet about that? Yes, I saw that. There, there's yeah. a lot of... We, we won't go into this, because, I mean, yeah. we've both heard things behind the scenes that this is not as cut and dried either way as things are getting I, made out I, but. Well, I'll, I'll say, I don't know if I said on the last one, but this is what I'll, this is what I'll say about the whole Camilo thing. I can't, I can't see it happening no. in, with Vancouver FC, and I also don't see it happening with with the Whitecaps either. No, but but I, I think um, Camilo the, wants to come back to Vancouver. Oh, I think he'd be in Vancouver. Happy to be in Vancouver. Yeah, but I don't think either situation is going to suit him or provide him what he needs or or wants. And so I would be, I would be absolutely shocked. Like when this when this was first brought to my attention, I was just like, this is not happening. And then as people as it got talked about more, and I learned more about different elements of it, I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a there's a chance it could happen, but I I still don't think it's I still don't think it's happening. Well, one one thing that people seem to have, or two things really that people seem to have forgotten that are thinking, oh, this can happen, this can happen, is you, you've got a maximum salary in the CPL. And you yeah. also have a maximum number of international overage players that you can have. Yeah. So th those things, unless things change, are going to go against this happening, you would think. Unless Camilo's yeah. like, oh, I just want to live in Vancouver, I'll come and play for Peanuts. But yeah, that was just a, a little fun aside I just wanted to throw in. Yeah. A positive, I would say, from the, the two friendlies that I was at, the BB5 game, and this one was the turnout. And obviously the yeah. weather yesterday helped. The BB5 game was a weekday at night and you had a bright turnout on, was it a Monday night? I think it was a Monday night. It was a Monday night, but remember that night you also had all the kids coming from their training sessions with their parents and, yeah. and hang out, which was great. Because I, I estimated it at about maybe 800 plus. Speaking to some of the Vancouver guys yesterday, they thought it was like twelve to 1,500 we're out for it. So, what would you say was at the BB Five game? I, I thought. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I thought eight hundred. So they thought oh. 12, twelve to fifteen hundred. Yeah, I was gonna like. 
Yeah, I was. I would say lower than that. How, how much do you think? How many do you think were there yesterday? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I thought that was a good because there's no yesterday. grandstand, right? Yeah, I thought. I would say no seven, less than five hundred. Yeah, I thought six to okay. seven, maybe. Yeah, but that that Definitely was an no excellent turnout. You had folk all the way around. It was an exciting game of football. It was good. The, the kids got to go in the pitch after and sign autographs with the, the players, yeah. and the players spent a lot of time mingling with the fans. So that's that's what they need to do to build this community spirit up. Did the players think you were a kid seeking autographs when you went on there? <laughs> well, no one came and asked for my autograph. I was disappointed in oh. that. Yeah. We oh, we didn't talk about the equalizer, which was unfortunate from a Vancouver FC. Well, I, mean, I, I was I was going to mention a, that. Yes. From a local from a local perspective, it was uh, you talked about BC players. <laughs> Yes, so Valor had a, a couple of guys with BC connections. Jordan Haynes, not a BC lad, yes. but obviously spent a lot of time always, here in always BC. Good, always good to watch Jordan uh, play. Uh, highly appreciate him, and uh, I'm happy that uh, you know he's got a next chapter in his footballing career uh, in Winnipeg. And yeah, looking forward to seeing how that goes for him. And I, I said to him before the game, I said, "It's so good to see you, and it's going to be so awkward." wanting you to, to lose. Well, funnily enough, after the game, I spoke to Marcello Polisi and I said, oh, it's great, great to see you. I haven't, haven't spoken to you for a, a couple of years. Because I, I, I kept meaning to speak to him. I said, I'll, I'll chat to you like when he's at Halifax and then I just never got around to doing it. So I spoke to him after the game and I said, good luck for the season, but I hope you get hammered by TSS in a couple of weeks. <laughs> what do you say about that? He just laughed because um, obviously he spent three seasons with TSS and he's a they're a big part of his career journey and yeah. he's a big part of theirs as his brother Matteo, who was playing on trial for Valor yesterday and scored that equaliser. And it was a pretty stunning equaliser and he really enjoyed it. Michael, am I wrong? To, would I be wrong to say that I'm not the only person who's mistaken the brothers for each other? Very possibly, yeah, yeah. So when he scored, I thought, well, like he, well, he's really excited about this goal. Like, wh why is he so excited? I figured, like, like it's a preseason game, it's an equalizer, whatever. Because I thought it was his brother who, like, has a contract, is in the team, or whatever. I didn't realize he was so excited. Partly, I think, because he was on trial, and you know, he's looking to get a contract. And yeah, yeah, he got a ten-minute run out. He'd played the night before yeah. in a VMSL game and scored in that VMSL game for BB5 and then gets that goal. So every right to be excited. So he, he is on trial. How how it works out, who knows? But if both the Polisi brothers reunite at Valor, I think that's a strong addition for it. Yeah. it. It was great to see them catch up with them, caught up with, with Phil DeSantis as well after the game. Not for an, an official chat. We're going to do that closer to the season and to, to preview the TSS game as well, but we had a good five, ten minute chat, just talking about football and life in Winnipeg and how he's done at Valor so far. What what did you think of, of Valor, Zach? That was their first proper preseason game. So they're, they've done training, but that, that was their first proper match. A lot of people have kind of thought it's going to be a battle between Vancouver and Valor for the Wooden Spoon this year. But I, I I've liked some of the additions that that they've done. I uh, to be honest, uh, have they played like some local teams or inter squad or? Something? They've played inter squad, and I'd imagine there's probably been some local stuff. But that that uh, was maybe, their first maybe, proper game. Maybe it was just because of some of the players that they lost. 
um, you know, like Brett Levi going down to the USL and um, some of the other players who moved on. Uh, I kind of, I kind of thought they would be um, not as good as they were. Let's put it that way. So yeah, I yeah. thought they acquitted themselves well. Uh, I'm really glad that Vancouver C didn't lose the match to them. Uh, that would have been kind of uh, disappointing um, because I think Vancouver FC's preseason in terms of results and also in terms of preparation and getting the players ready, I think has been really positive in part because if I'm, you can correct me on this, but they haven't lost yet, right? Well, they, they lost to Trinity Western, but that was more the trialist guys that was playing that. That was a 2-1. Was it a 2-1 loss? That was the very, very first game they played. And then they played the oh, second. Oh, right, right. That's one. I'd say the second yeah, time yeah. around. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Okay, so they did lose that one. Right, 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 right. But that that wasn't the squad. This was the guys that were there. That was the trialists. The, the guys right, that okay. come out of the, the open trials and stuff. So, so since they've had the more of the proper squad, they have, they've had a couple of draws and a bunch of wins. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, which I think, I'm, I'm not asking this from like, hey, I'm keeping track and whatever. It's more of like, for the morale of the players, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, they've got a couple um, more friendlies coming up. That, that They've got one next weekend against FC Tigers in Richmond at Minaroo Oval. Hopefully folk can get out to that on Saturday night. It's going to be the, the kit launch as well. We'll be out at that one. There's a couple of other games going to be getting announced that aren't announced yet against League One side, so watch for those. Because they're, they're wanting to take the team around as many of the communities as possible, yeah. which is, is, yeah. is great to see. And you just kind of want to spread the, the message of this. I, I think it is starting to capture some of the imagination of some of the locals. I, I still don't think they will pack that stadium out week in, week out. There'll be some games that are really good attendances. I think if they can break 3,000 on a regular basis, I take that as a positive. I would imagine the club are looking for a lot more than that on a regular basis. But just looking at how it's been around the rest of the league... Three to four thousand attendance-wise, I think we'd be seen as a good thing, but obviously they're targeting as close to sellouts as possible. Yeah, if there's uh, a stadium that can actually hold over six thousand, I don't, I don't know what the number <laughs> the number is, but I yeah, obviously my desire is for it to always be sold out, always the, be sold. the stadium, um, the stadium, yeah, it's getting there. They've they've got some metal going up now. Not yeah, all oh yeah. the concrete has been poured yet, which is a little bit concerning. Because now I'm not an engineer or an expert, but someone had told me that sometimes you can need up to thirty days for the concrete to set properly, which mm. is uh, not a lot of time then to get everything put up. But it is basically a flat pack stadium that they're building, so that it can go up very very quickly. Yeah, like the, oh, I mean, well. All that's there kind of went up in what, like a week or ten days. Like it was really, really. Yeah, the really the crazy. west stand is really starting to take shape. It, I yeah. don't think I've put my photos up yet, but the time this comes out, the photos will probably be up of all the photos. I put a couple out on Twitter. Yeah, I've, I've so taken the, other ones as well. The south, the, the south end is um, the concrete looks laid, right? And then the yes. east side, no, no concrete. No yet. concrete in the east side. That's that's the side that's concerning me. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But, I mean, it's getting there. It's coming along and it can go up very quickly. They, they were working on it on, on Saturday. I think the cold snap we had has delayed stuff, especially in terms of the concrete aspect. So, yeah. hopefully, if they can get some weekend work in, it'll start to come along. But it's all looking good. Can't wait for the season to kick off. 
And when it does kick off, Zach, there's going to be a new playoff structure in place. Yeah. So we'll just round this section off to talk about it. So for anyone that didn't see it, the last couple of years, it's the top four that's made the playoffs. This year, the top five teams will make the CPL postseason. Five out of eight. Not a huge fan of that number, just as I've not been a huge fan of the amount of teams that's getting in in MLS this season either. But come the end of the season, five teams will go in, increasing the field by one team from last year's playoff structure. There'll be five total matches in the playoffs, with each of the CPL regular season's top four sides guaranteed to host at least once in postseason play, making positioning in the table crucial much, and very much important. important. And you want to kind of honour that. So the the way that the brackets kick off, the the playoffs are going to begin on Wednesday, October the eleventh, where the fourth place team will host the fifth place team, mm. and then whoever wins that game will play three days later against the third place team. So it could be third v fourth, third v fifth. The other end of the bracket, first will play second. And you might be thinking, oh, that's a bit weird. Why would first play second and not first play fourth? Because whoever then wins that game automatically is through to the final. Yeah. And I like that because it's really rewarding uh, a top two finish. And especially if, if you're the winners and you win that and you're into the final. Also, it should be noted that whoever does win the regular season in the, the CPL this year will yep. qualify for one of the CPL's two spots in next year's CONCACAF Champions League with whoever then wins the playoffs getting the second spot. And if it's the same team... Actually, if it's the finalist? same team, I don't know if it's the finalist or the runner. Or the up, second place, yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I hadn't read. Um, so that's an interesting one. So whoever loses that first v second matchup will then host the winner of the third versus play-in matchup to get into the final. So all great stuff. I mean, I like it in one regard because it's given teams more than one chance. So if you finish second and you lose your first match, you're not out you've got another chance to to play another game to, to get through. That aspect I do like. I also like that any playoff match that's tied after 90 minutes is going to go to extra time this year, to 15 minutes, and then to penalties as opposed to straight to penalties. So I'm sure you're pretty happy about that as well. But yeah, just what, what's your thoughts on it? Okay, so my, my thoughts overall are this. Uh, number one, I wish that the I wish that there wasn't a playoff format I wish that there well, was, I do that too yeah I, I wish that there was a, a league competition where every team plays every opponent the equal number of times home and away and the person the, the team that comes at the top of the table is the league champions I know recognize we live in North America and there is a strong desire to have some kind of uh, winner by a tournament at the end of the regular season, they would um, uh, try something different, and they would have an a uh, a, uh, a cup competition at the end of the regular season, 
where every theme is in it. And so instead of doing the um, following the rest of, or the predominantly the rest of the world model where your comp competition is running uh, concurrently at the same time as your league competition, have it just do the cup at the end of the season and everyone's in it. So you have eight teams, maybe it's a home and away uh, or, or maybe you get, or maybe you get creative and you do something like they've done with this play format, get creative, try something different. So that's what I wish they would do. And I think, to be honest, I think they, they had, and they could still change in the future. They have the opportunity to do that, to mm -hmm. do something that's, that's different. And I hope that they would, that it would be something that they might look at in the future. Having said that, I think that, um, I think that what they're doing this year is a significant upgrade uh, on multiple levels. And I wonder if someone like, you know, someone who's with the league, like a Christian Jack, I wonder how much Christian Jack was encouraging them, you know, with some of these alterations or, you know, who, because I, I don't think this was just like the owner sitting around thinking like, oh, what can we do? You know, I think they well, had some. Well, I, I wondered how much the MLS one had played into it because MLS has got 62% of the teams in. And with five out of eight, that's also 62% of the teams. And you've got this play-in game, much like MLS has got eighth v ninth playing in. Yeah. The only other difference is there's not obviously a group stage, thankfully. No, yes, thankfully. But, um, no, but this, this because this, I don't know about you, Michael, I don't know what your experience was growing up in Scotland. This format reminds me of some of, like, the playoff tournaments I played, like, in indoor soccer in, in college, where you had a smaller number of teams, and the playoffs, it was like, Similar thing would happen. Like if you won your first game, you were then in the final. Uh, well, it's like curling. That, it's like yeah. you've got repishage. Oh. Yeah. So if you lost that first game, you still have another opportunity to get back in it. Yeah. Uh, get to the final because I, I played tournaments that were very, very similar to similar, very, very similar to this. But I think we might have only had five teams. Mm. They, the, the format was, I think, identical to what they're doing. Um, and so I, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of nice because it's different. It's Creative. The biggest thing, though, I think, uh, the biggest alteration, the biggest change that that will help is, is like you said, is the positioning counts more more this year than than last year, where uh, teams are like, oh, if we come second or third or fourth, it, we don't feel it's that big a deal. Now, I think it is a big deal. You yeah. want that you want that game to be at home. You want to be able to have that in front of your supporters. Uh, win that game, move on, and uh, go forward. Get the you know jump to the final or make it to the final or whatever. So, um, I th and then having an extra team, I think, means you're gonna see hopefully seven or if not all eight teams vying to make that postseason. Well, you, you would hope everyone's gonna be in it for as hope, late yes. as possible. That yes. there's not gonna be an Edmonton that's cut adrift. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that that w was one of the things that when I was was chatting to Phil. DeSantis, Phil had mentioned, he said, if you look at last year, he's like, even with Edmonton, with everything that they went through, they were still winning, they were still taking points, they were they were still battling right to close to the end. To the end. Yeah. And he, he just feels that this league is so good and it's just getting better and better. And he feels that the structure that they've got at Valor's now got a, a better footing on and off the pitch and it's just getting better and better. Halifax will be looking to turn things around with their new head coach. So... It, it's, a, it's an exciting season. We're going to start to ramp up our CPL coverage over the next couple of weeks. We'll be doing our, our interviews with some of the head coaches. Um, definitely want to try and... If we can get all eight, we'll try and get all eight because I think we did four, maybe five last year and then ran out of time in the end. So we'll, we'll try and, and get more of those done. 
But that's it for our CPL chat. We've still got one more part of the show to go, and now we're going to be turning our attention to the national teams. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. MOG, 2023. SOS Sessions. Comforts. Don't need the beach in the summer Don't need an easy lover I don't need to keep it a hunter Streets is a mother People look here at each other Screaming mother as they're marching Here the beat of the drummer Hear your number catch your Z's in the slumber Rest in peace to my people who recently deceased I grieve for my muckers Feel my brothers when they speak on their gutters Blading on cutters Praising he who's above us for my supper Cause Jesus suffered Fuck it, he's another brand as a gunner Keep it jumping in this motherfucker I'm barely hearing a murmur Gutless suckers You're dealing with an evil rubber ducker Hide your heat under covers And feel the hunger of the hunter Your buds are hummers Your buds are bunners You keep on getting dumber and dumber You're a bunch of fucking nutless Wonders up and comers These cunts are giffy looking bubble gummers Publicly pumping each other ugly booby sucking bummers One wonders If I was as fickle as half the fakers Would I get to kick a boot with the movers And all the shakers say your prayers Cause baby there's layers They who dares Primo impeccable perennial pivotal drift sayers Tune Slayer Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part We're back to Scotland Glasgow rapper Mog, and that is a song that was released earlier this year called Milestone. And it's a, a milestone time for the Canadian national teams. The women are about to head to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. The men start in their first post-World Cup cycle since 1986. And this time, knowing that all these games to play they're going to be at the World Cup in 2026. I want to start off by talking about some sad news this week, Zach. Heartbreaking stuff. Janine Becky is going to miss the, the World Cup. She tore her ACL in her right knee with the Portland Thorns. She's going to have surgery on it. She's out for the rest of the year. And with everything that the woman's been going through just now, and Janine's been kind of spearheading a lot of that, this is just absolutely heartbreaking for her. Yeah, like yeah, totally tragic news for uh, for Janine. Uh, we saw this, you know, last year with with uh, on, on the with the men's team going to the World Cup. We saw it for people like obviously Max Kripo, yeah, uh, Scott Scott Kennedy, um, even Danielle Henry um, to a lesser like you know to a lesser degree, a smaller injury. Um, and uh yeah just really really um i feel really really bad that for her she as you said she's a, a massive part of the team uh, on the on the field and off the field and so just feel feel horrible for her i love the becky family uh, drew's an awesome awesome dude and uh she's uh she's an amazing footballer and so um yeah i just feel really feel really really bad for her it'll be interesting to see you know unlike a max Kripo. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what role she can play in terms of maybe traveling with the team. And being yeah, a part I was of wondering team. about that because Max wanted to go down, but he was advised. He, he couldn't. That, yeah, he, no, he, he literally couldn't because he because of when his surgery was, you couldn't fly yeah. for so long or whatever. So he, he he there was no way he was allowed to. Scott Kennedy's parents were there. I got to hang out with them, got to talk to them, um, and they were like, "Yeah, Scott's rehabbing and stuff." And we we're like, "Oh, like did, did he want to come?" They're like. 
he couldn't be here. Like just mm-hmm. like I think mentally, he like yeah. couldn't be. It would have been too hard for him to be no, here. No, totally for him get to that. Focus on his focus on his recovery so you get ready for the season. I mean, I, th- uh, I think they'll definitely want Janine there. The, oh yeah, you the, would the imagine. Team, the the only thing is, it's such a long flight that if you've just undergone surgery as well, it, it's the timing of that might be you know the, the thing that. Uh, makes the decision because mm. it's mid, mid July at least is the is the tournament. I, so I was listening to an interview with Max, and he, he literally that's what he said. He said I, I, it wasn't even an option for me. It was like because I had had surgery or the type of surgery or what they had done or whatever it was. He couldn't fly for X. He, he, he could not have flown until like the fifteenth of December or something. So it was like uh, only if they had made the final, maybe he could have flown or something <laughs> like that. Well, we wish Janine all the very best for a, a speedy recovery. And I, I yeah. mean, it, it, as you said, it's, it's so hard. You've worked so hard. It only comes around every four years. And then thankfully, she's still young. She's only 28. So there's a, another World Cup in her. The men's roster was announced this week. Oh, yeah. Some new faces on it. Is this the start? I think it's pretty obvious that it is. That It's the changing of the guard. I mean, you, you've got a Tiba on it. Which yeah, that's maybe that's surprised weird, me a little it? bit. I don't know if this is like yeah. one last hurrah for him. Is it to give just... him a home farewell? I was wondering that because it has to be right. They're away to Curacao on Saturday, and then the following Tuesday, they're at home in Toronto against Honduras. Both games in the the Nations League. I do wonder if this is like a farewell to the national team from Atiba. It feels like it has to be because. He's, is he even like what well, happened? He's, he's was still he unattached, right? Exactly. So maybe he wanted to go out unattached, unattached, like go out like so many players came into the national team. But no, it just it felt weird. I'm like, I, I, Atiba is a legend in Canadian football. So if this is how he wanted to to do it, or he requested, or whatever, I or John just like yeah, we we need him one more time or whatever. Um, but it feels like surely because wasn't he supposed to, isn't part of the discussion like he's supposed to retire in like this summer or wasn't he supposed to retire possibly I mean there's still been rumors around uh, like the CPL right? Ottawa were kind of yeah. trying to, to tempt him to come and play for them we, we've spoken privately that we'd have, we'd have loved to have seen him here in Vancouver it would have been such a great marquee signing and he would just have raised the profile of the club and if he does sign yeah. for any CPL club, it's going to raise the profile of that club locally. Totally. But, I mean, it is the changing of the guard starting. I was actually surprised there wasn't a few more new faces that maybe got a look in this. Just looking at the opposition of Curacao and Honduras, and I know you can't right, take right. anything for, for granted, obviously, and there is a lot more on the line now for the Nations League in terms of yeah. Copa America qualification and yep. stuff like that that you, you can't just necessarily call up loads of, of young guys. But I, I was surprised there maybe wasn't a few more. But it was great to see Victor Latoury getting a, yeah. a call up. He's done really well C- with Ross C- County. CPL. CPL. Yes. Right? And Dominic Zator, former yes. Whitecaps 2 player, that I'd, when he was doing so well in the CPL, I I did wonder... Would Vancouver have another look at him? But he's gone from strength to strength over in Europe, doing well in Poland now. And it's great to see him getting this call up. He's such a nice lad. And 
just him and Latoury. Because Latoury, him and William Accio, signing for Ross County, it, it's not a sexy, fashionable club, but it's the ideal kind of European club to go to if you're going to, to join one that's in the UK. Because you're in the top flight, so you're getting mm-hmm. tested against the likes of Celtic and Rangers and all these top guys. Yeah. But you're guaranteed that if you're a good player, you're going to be getting regular playing time in that team. And yeah. he's really thrived in that environment. He's done really, really well. The, the team's had its ups and downs this year, and they are in a bit of a relegation battle, but he, he's been one of their standout guys. So delighted for both of those. And yeah, as you said, more CPL guys getting that call-up, or ex-CPL yeah. guys, we should say. Well, no, it's, it's very, very encouraging. Uh, I think the, this will happen more and more, and I think, again, it just shows the pathway, right? It, I think well, that, the, that's the thing. Hopefully then this lets players say, well, okay, maybe I'll go to the CPL for a year or two, and yeah. then we'll see where that takes me. And, totally. I mean, you, you've seen it with Joel Waterman and stuff like that. My big disappointment, obviously, is Spoonie is not in the squad. Yeah, and he, he's fully fit and everything? He is, yeah. Oh, yeah. But St. Johnston's been having a bit of an up-and-down season as well, and again, I think that's just the start of looking towards the new crop of talent. Because what they need to do, they need to bring these guys on board this year next year to see what they've got to have that kind of firm focus going into the last two years leading into the World Cup, I feel. Yeah, two two. also. I think that you talked about, you know, you're surprised it was so strong there were more, more younger players. I think, too, Herdman wants to build on what they did in CONCACAF and World Cup qualifying and uh, not just um, have that dominance as a one-off, but to maintain it. And so I think these games, they really want to show that, yeah, we had disappointing World Cup, but we are still CONCACAF dominant. And so I think, you know, uh, they, they in the end, like you said, because of the Copa, these games are so, so important that they, they don't want to have any slip ups. And I think more so they want to, they want to control these matches and they want to, they want to bang in a bunch of goals. Which they most certainly should. Yeah. Last thing just to talk about, we, we've we mentioned about the World Cup in 2026, all excited for that kicking off in the three countries. Last week, FIFA approved a revised format for the 2026 World Cup. It will now be what we had talked about we hoped was going to be the case, 12 yeah. four-team groups partly stemming because there was concerns, which we talked about as well, about collusion in the last group games, yeah. which was going to happen. If if two teams just needed a draw to get through, yeah. it was not going to be a good spectacle. Under no. the revised format, the number of games played as well Run are up. increasing by 40. So from yeah. 64 to 104. And the number would, of games... Would this, would this many games, could they not let in every nation? Just have like single elimination knockout? I tell you, that's going to pretty much come. I, I, I think in 20, 2034, 2038, that's going to be what it is. It's, it's just cra- everyone's it's, it's in. A, it's a bit crazy. I mean, it it's is. 104 games. The finalists would have normally been playing seven games and they're going to be playing eight. The tournament is now being increased from 32 days to 39 days. So it's going to last another week. Yeah, how is this going to go down with all, like, I guess... They have they probably have this wiggle room with all the the holds on the stadiums. And I would whatever, think so, but... yeah. Oh, yeah, because there was holes from before and, and after and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Each team yeah. will still play three group matches. The top two, two. will go through with the top the eight, eight third-place teams yeah. joining the group winners for the new round of 32. So 40 extra games than what was played at the World Cup that we've just seen in Qatar. We knew there was going to be more games because there was the extra teams. But now there's a further 24 more games than what was originally planned. So the question that everyone is now wondering is, how many of those 24 games will come to Canada? How many of those will come to Vancouver? But yeah, I mean, you can be pretty sure we're going to get more games here. I would, I would have to think, especially yeah, yeah. because of the way that the split had been done. It was a 10-10-60 split with Canada getting 10 games, Mexico getting 10 games, and the US getting the rest, the bulk of the games, at 60. Well, FIFA split the, the 24 more games that we're getting now in a same kind of way? Or will they give Mexico and Canada more games to, to host? I mean, if you're doing it pro rata, Canada and Mexico were, were hosting an eighth of the games that were going to get played. So if they're having an eighth of the 24 games, that's just an extra three games. But I'd like to think that this is an opportunity for them to have a more equitable split and to have Canada and Mexico both hosting more than just an eighth of the games. So I, I would hope we get at least an extra eight if they split between the three countries. Yeah, but they won't do that. Well, that's crazy. I can see he's getting just at least two. All. At least two, right? Two, would, two, two to Canada, two to Mexico. If it was just two, two. <laughs> two to Canada, two to Mexico, twenty to the US. No, it would be great if if Canada received like yeah, a significant amount. But based on how they did it before, I I feel like that's highly unlikely. Well, I guess it's going to depend on how they have the groups based because we've talked about like yes. what will be solely Vancouver, what will be Vancouver Seattle, that will be like sharing yep. the teams and stuff. You've obviously got the border crossing and stuff that can make things a little bit more complicated with that. Do you, do you do you think they'll do a thing where they'll, as opposed to saying, okay, you you're playing like in a pod here with these two two communities, they'll do a thing to Canada or Mexico where they'll say, hey, your games because you're a host country, you're going to play in, Can in Vancouver and Toronto, even though you have the extra or longer travel than maybe some no, of the other teams. The, there's no way they're going to make them fly cross country. And I so know they did Canada it for the women's be one before anyone says, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be an east-west. Well, east-west. Canada Central did it for the under. The men did it for the under twenty World Cup too when they played in, in Edmonton and Toronto. Yeah, I, I think the way that they've picked the whole city, so it's clear what they're looking at, and it's like yeah. they wanted Vancouver and they wanted Seattle because of the the proximity and the big stadiums, and to me that makes it's going like, to suck. If though. Edmonton had come in, you could maybe have done it. You could have had Toronto, it's going to suck, Montreal, though. but yeah. Yeah, it's going to suck if if all the Canada games are in Toronto because then we have to spend a lot of time in Ontario. I, I would imagine that Canada is going to be pushing to be on, in Toronto. I, I don't know. I mean, if John Herman's still the head coach, to be in his home city, I'm sure that would be something special for him. I don't think Toronto's ultimately a shoo-in. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a shoo-in either, but I think it's... The favorite, it has to be the favorite. But I, I, I would, if they do do that, it would be great if they made it so that maybe the round of thirty-two game coming out of that group would yeah. be. 
Yep, so a lot to look forward to. I'm already counting down the days to 2026. Well, that is pretty much it for this episode of the show. But of course, we can't go without bringing you this episode's wavelength. And we're continuing Football Violence Awareness Month here at AFTN. And this time around, we're going across the globe for a song from Indonesian hardcore punk band, Head Up. Nicely named from a a football point of view as well. And this is a song that they released towards the end of last year, which was following the the bad riot that they had at one of the Indonesian league games. I, I don't know if you remember that or if you, you saw the coverage of that, between two teams, Arima and Persebaya. It was a riot that sadly 125 people died, over 180 were injured, and it had been just a lot of football violence down in Indonesia at games over the years. So this is Head Up and their song, Stop Football Violence. Indonesia head up there with their song Stop Football Violence. That is it for this show now. Just before we go though, Zach, any final thoughts? Anything that's caught your eye this week? No, yeah, it was great to connect with some people at the at the game uh, at Willoughby at the Langley Event Center. Looking forward to Mineral Park on uh, this Saturday, uh, March 25th. Um, was it 7 or 7.30? think it's 7 30 yeah if you get there at 7 that's, that's not a bad thing so yeah come out to that come and be a part of that oh and also just to, to, to talk about that as well if you go into fc tigers oh, yeah. page um they've got an uh a flyer that if you scan the qr code you'll get a ticket number now you don't need a ticket to attend the game but no. they are doing a promotion where they're giving away 20 season tickets for vancouver football club and it's only to people that have scanned that QR code yeah. and got a ticket number. So if you're heading along to the game, definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, come along, come along to that. Um, yeah, if you want to be involved in supporter culture uh, around Vancouver FC, uh, fvfanatics at gmail.com, be in touch. Uh, lots of uh, exciting and encouraging things are happening on, on that front and really looking forward to uh, the first game uh, in uh, away to Pacific, and then of course the the home opener on May seventh as well. So, 
yeah, exciting times. Um, and uh, this this last weekend was just a, a glimmer, just a taste of it, and looking forward to more. Me too. I'm Michael McCall. Give me a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Want to give a big shout out to our new writer, Felipe Vallejo, that we have taken on. He's going to be covering Vancouver FC and CPL, amongst some other stuff for us. You might have seen his work already on Last Word on Sports. He's an excellent young writer and we're very pleased to have him as part of the AFTN team. And we'll have him on the podcast as well, on and off this year. It was good to meet him the other, the other day there. Yeah, so he took in the game on Saturday as well. So welcome aboard, Felipe. We'll be back with another episode of the show soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps. Mon Vancouver FC. But most of all, mon the football. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.